All right, it's time for the latest episode of View from a Military Mind. First, Saturday, January 23rd, 2021. Views and opinions about world and national events from the mind of a military veteran that has served and defended this nation and its citizens since 1978. Insight that's been molded by the commitment and sacrifices of the Americans that are defending and have defended our freedoms for the past 247 years. Unfiltered, unedited, and certainly not PC. We are those people. Let's stand up and stand firm. All right, uh, today we have a very, very special guest with us, a good friend of mine from uh, years gone by, and uh, still keeping in contact, Mr. Mark Dupuy. He is a constitutional coach with the Patriot Academy, and uh, today, uh, for the first two segments, normally we have first and second segment for uh, 15 minutes apiece, but today we're going to begin a course on the Constitution uh, in those two episodes. Then in the... Um, what'll be now the second episode, we're going to talk about the impeachment of President Trump and how we're going at it again. Uh, we know that the House has gone ahead and pushed through their single of article impeachment, and we'll talk about what those mean and uh, whether or not we think those are right. And then we'll get into our closing thoughts uh, with the National Guard and the inauguration and being sleeping in garages and the treatment the whole nine yards of the bedding. So... Hang with us a little bit here. We're going to go ahead and get started in just a minute. So hang tight with me. When he walks, he walks alone. When he stands, he stands by himself. But he stands knowing the force of the VFW, America's largest organization of combat veterans, has his back. We are the VFW, and no one does more for veterans. All right, and we're back. A little quick plug for the VFW there. Uh, good morning, Mark, and welcome morning. To, the, to, to the show. View good from morning. Your mind. Glad to be here. Outstanding. I'm glad to have you with me, brother. I've missed you over the years, but I'm glad we got back in touch again, so... Uh, as I introduced you early on, you're a constitutional coach with the Patriot Academy. Um, tell us a little bit about the Patriot Academy and what they do. Yes, uh, the Patriot Academy. I'm just going to flash it on the screen here kind of quickly. And um, let's see if I get my lighting right. There you and go. So yeah. the Constitution Alive is a citizen's guide to the Constitution. It's like basic 101. Um, uh, some of us need to go back there. Some of us need to be refreshed. Um, but uh, we, I think we all need to understand the Constitution in this day and age uh, just to know what the media is telling us, just to know what our, our Congress uh, um, people are saying. We need to know all these things. So, And it is the law of the land, right? So it, this is an in-depth course um, that Rick Green and David Barton and some other people um, it's videos that you show, and basically, I show the videos, and at the end, we discuss what's on the videos. So everybody gets an opportunity to be able to talk. So when you get in one of those classes, um, there's a lot of information there. But this is not this is not your old boring 
constitutional classes that you just read this stuff. No, it's a lot more exciting than that. So I encourage y'all to do this. Great. Um, where can we find this? Uh, uh, can we find it online or is it something? And uh, if we can find it online, can you give us the, the web address and what what's the cost for it? Yeah, so it's free on if you have Amazon Prime. And they also started putting them on YouTube. Um, so you don't get you get to watch the videos, but you actually don't get the interaction. So let's say you want the interaction. You're going to go to um, Constitutional Live. Um, dot com and you go there and sign up for a class you look at a class in your area your time zone is important <laughs> your time frame is important uh there's six weeks there's 10 week classes um so you get the interaction and this is all done on zoom so uh, it's basically what i just explained there's a lot of coaches out there we have about seventeen thousand coaches in america right now Ouch. and we're growing so it's a very exciting time. Right. And uh, some of our um, viewers are coming up on the chat here. Uh, Carol Mills, my beautiful wife, Bill Tisnauer, good morning to y'all. Uh, Sabrina, good morning. Um, and uh, uh, right now, Carol's taking the biblical citizenship uh, course every Monday night. She says it's an awesome course. I've uh, sat in on a couple, few minutes of it, and I think it's just uh, unbelievable. I, I think it's awesome. So what's the website they can go to, Mark, to find this? Yeah, Constitutional Live. You Constitutional go to that website. Live. Yep, you type that up, and it's Rick Green, um, and he has a separate page on Facebook and all that. But it's Constitution Alive, okay. and you go on there, and you can sign up for either the Constitution class or the Biblical uh, Citizenship. Okay. And the Biblical Citizenship is going to be for the coaches soon. They're they're preparing that. They're giving us this class for the first time. So I'm glad to see uh, Carol taking this. I'm taking it myself. And uh, then we'll be able to go out and teach that also. Okay. Outstanding. And also they can go to uh, patriotacademy.org and look yes. at their main uh, main website. And they've got all kinds of uh, videos on there. And they've got some things from Rick Green himself. So I invite everybody to um, go on there, uh, Constitution Live, look it up, and or uh, patriotacademy.org and yes. check it all out. I highly recommend the classes. So today, Mark, uh, we're going to get into the uh, separation of church and state. Uh, I know you sent me a, a big, long list of stuff on here that we're going to talk about, which is <laughs> outstanding. So um, I'll go ahead and let you start getting into that. Uh, I guess the first uh, first little segment you're talking about is government. Uh, little, 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 boy, I can't talk today. Uh, governing documents. I'll go ahead and let you uh, roll in. This is your thing. Okay. So before I start that, you know, there's a lot of things that are in the Constitution that um, maybe we say that our rights, um, especially say religion. And what if I'm not a religious person? Do I need to be concerned with that? Well, absolutely, because our rights from the government or from we the people that the government has to um, afford us. Well, we all should be um, on one on a single page and say, we need to defend these, right? We need to assert them and defend them. It doesn't matter if you're religious or not, it's our right. And if the government begins to take any of those rights, one or two, they're gonna go after them all. So let's, let's, uh, let's not just assume this is a religious because it's about separation of church and state. Yeah, and the way things are going right now uh, in our political realm, which is what I deal with a lot, um, we're starting to see them uh, 
little by little take those rights away. So this yes. is something definitely we need to be fully aware of and uh, to educate ourselves on. And that's a big, uh, a big proponent of my show. You'll hear me on my other shows and you'll hear me today. I always tell people, educate yourself. Don't be the sheep falling over, uh, over the, over the cliff. Don't be the lemming following the leader, educate yourself and know what you're talking about. Absolutely. I agree wholeheartedly because America, you know, we're, we're truly blessed with this government that we have. And do we clearly understand that? If not, then you need to take part in these classes or, or find some kind of go read the Constitution, go study the Constitution. And so in, in these governing documents that we have, the Declaration of Independence, the Constitution, and in the Constitution, there's the Bill of Rights. Those are so important. You know, those first 10 amendments. Right. Um, that brought this nation to a position of unrivaled in the past two centuries. I mean, this this amazing nation. Um, sometimes the media tells us otherwise, but go go read about this stuff. So these religious principles that were um, a very powerful influence in, in shaping all of these documents, the Declaration, the Constitution. I, I uh, ask you to go read the Declaration prior to reading the Constitution, because you'll know why the American people um, separated from Great Britain. And that'll give you a really good insight on what the Constitution's about. Yeah, exactly. And real quick, good morning, Willie Ross, Sergeant Major, good friend of mine from the National Guard, popping up there. Uh, and already Sabrina has a question. When does executive orders step over the line? Um <laughs> <laughs> when they're deemed to be unconstitutional or illegal and those will have to be reviewed. Uh, in fact, we've got some, uh, executive orders that are coming up now and I don't want to get too far off of Mark's topic because it, uh, this is his part of the show. Um, but those executive orders are already looking at being challenged in court that are coming out now, but, um, most of them will be challenged in court. Yeah. So an executive order, whether it's put in or taken out is if it's constitutional, right? This is the, this is the big deal. It, you could, uh, executive order is something that's already, the law has been established. This cannot be something that the president or the uh, executive office just arbitrarily throws out there. It has to be a law already. And basically they're just adding to the law or taking away from it. And that's okay. So, and they can do that. They have the executive branch has the right to do that. Right. Okay. So, so I'll just go ahead and tell you about the constitution, um, which ratified in June on June 22nd, 1788. The bill of rights came a little bit later. It was ratified December 15th, 1791. And particularly we're going to be talking about the first amendment today. Right. And December 15th, that's my birthday. So but oh, I don't remember that being ratified at that time. <laughs> but, but we the awesome. people, uh, we have five rights in the First Amendment. What are they, Mark? So I'll go ahead and read straight out of the Constitution because this is this is what I like to do. I don't really like to give my opinion. I'll let you know if I do that. But I like to go with the original intent. And this actually is reading straight out of the law. It says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise thereof, or abridging the freedom of speech, or of the press, or the right to peaceably assemble, or to petition the government for a redress of grievances. Awesome. Awesome. 
Um, in what governing document is the phrase separation of church and state found? Um, none. None. <laughs> none. <laughs> Cut and dry. None. Does that surprise you? Yeah, it, it, it really does surprise me um, because you hear it so much when they talk about um, the churches get involved and they talk about getting an evangelical vote. And there's a lot of even there was discussion of it uh, last night. I was watching the news and getting some information. Uh, they were talking about the separation of church and state because of what some of the constituencies are. So, yeah, I mean, and, and I can throw out to the audience that you even believe this statement is true. The, the, um, it, there is no law saying about separation of church and state. Well, that's exactly what we want to do here today is, is go to the original intent and find out where that came from and is it law. Yeah. And real quick, I'm going to say, hi, Mike Turner. He's in mm -hmm. Afghanistan. Be careful over there, brother. Ali Bounds, welcome on board. Go ahead, Mark. So let's start with the most popular one that's out there right now, because people are quoting this a lot, the media and a lot of people um, are around me and, and I see on social media is the Constitution. It's saying particularly the First Amendment. Well, let me read that again. Let me read that part of the First Amendment. It says Congress shall make no law respecting an establishment of religion or prohibiting the free exercise of. Okay. And I notice it's Congress is the only thing that's mentioned. Nothing about we, the people. Um, what's up with that? Uh, what, what's going on there? Yeah. So this is we, the people saying to Congress, to our, our, our government, because we are the supervisors, right? We're the supervisors of these rules of these laws. So we're telling Congress, Congress, you shall make no law respecting an establishment or prohibiting the free exercise of. So this has nothing to say that government could turn around and say, well, we the people, we need to regulate y'all on this. No, this is the people saying to Congress, you have no part in this. Right. Because I know uh, when it was first brought up and you, you see some of the writings in the Federalist Papers and from Franklin and some of those, they wanted to get away from what England had done to them at the time and to establish the church of England and said, you will be a member of this. You will practice this religion. So I uh, understand where uh, some of this has come from. Uh, we, the people are the ones that hold the government to, to task on this. That is correct. And I mean, in, in England at, at one point it was, um, you could have a death sentence, uh, if you didn't go to church and there was a certain amount of days that you had. So, so let me ask you this, Laurie, and your audience is that, did you hear any words in that First Amendment that we read? And we read it a couple of times there and parts of it about separation, church or state. No, I didn't. Uh, um, so the phrase separation of church or state is not in the Constitution. Um, is that what the First Amendment really means to separate them? No, the original intent of that is just what we're saying is that we the people are telling the government that they need to stay out of people's religion and and look this religion this is not about um the the jewish people the the, the muslims or the christians or the protestants or the catholics this says religion right it doesn't say anything about church so if i asked a a jewish person are you going to church today and, and they're not a Christian. What do you think they're going to say? Well, no, I, you know, I go to a synagogue. So mm -hmm. church is a building versus 
or we can as as a christian we call the church the body of christ so there's different meanings for that but this says specifically religion what do you fight for it in the military do you fight for um everybody's religion or just one no, I, I, my oath says i will protect and defend the constitution of the united states and protect it from all enemies foreign and domestic it says nothing about a church or a state or anything like that I'm protecting the Constitution and the people of the United States. That's right. And we, the people, need to be doing the same thing, Terry. We, we, we need to uphold the Constitution. We need to, I would fight for a Muslim right versus anybody else's rights. It doesn't matter. We have to fight for everybody. Now, do I maybe agree with everybody else? Mm-hmm. I might not. But you know what? I'm going to fight for you because this is what America is about. Exactly. Um, and so. It, what what was the original intent when they wrote this thing up? So, well, we can go back and we can go to the founders' writings. Um, the founders wrote, un, unlike us, where we, maybe we have in this conversation, we recording it. Well, the founding fathers wrote everything. So there was a specific thing put in the Constitution called um, the Congressional Record. So if you want to talk about that for a second, that Congressional Record... Uh, yeah, um, the congressional record is required by the uh, the Constitution, Article 1, Section 5, and it will contain all the official words and acts that occur in congressional chambers. Uh, everything they say and do within those chambers, and that's both the House and the Senate, uh, which we refer to as the Congress. Uh, and we know here recently the Speaker of the House has uh, changed some of the rules for wording in that uh, in that congressional record. Uh, trying to be woke and all inclusive and diversive or divisive, however you want to put it. So, and we'll, we'll not get into those, but uh, those records include the discussions of the, the 90 founders in the first federal Congress who from uh, June 8th to September 25th, 1789 framed the first amendment. So, yeah. And so now let's, you know, what do we do if we're doing an investigation on something? We're looking for evidence, right? Let's go look for the evidence in what the founding fathers said, and then that'll tell us whether what opinions they had, if if any, on the separation of church and state. So the founders repeatedly um, explained that they were seeking to prevent what they experienced under Great Britain was the suppression of government and religion combined in the sense that government controlled religion. That wasn't it. They worked together. Government and the church worked together. The legal establishment by the national government of a single religious denomination in exclusion of all others. So we, we tell and we the people are telling the government, you can't choose one religion. Now, I mean, we're not saying that you can't use parts of that religion, but you can't choose one over the other. Right. And so Congress doesn't have that power actually to do that. We, the people have that power to decide if we want to change that. And that, and we don't see that happen and that's not going to happen, which I'm glad it will never happen to establish a, a dominant religion within this country. That would basically ruin what we have going on. Um, and we see where there's attempts uh, to do this. Um, now, was there a debate early on over this about the intent? Yes. Yeah, so we look back in the congressional records. Let's go back and look at the evidence. Right. <clears throat> there was four versions um, it, within, you know, roughly three months there of them debating all of this. 
they propose the first, I'm going to read the first part of the amendment because remember there's five in that first amendment, there's five rights in there. Mm-hmm. Well, this is, this is the one. So it says the final version, and this is the law of the land at, at this time, Congress shall make no law establishing religion or prohibiting the free exercise of. So let's look at the other three because let's go to the very first one, the original version that somebody came out with. And they're debating this in, in, the, um, in, in Congress. So this was in September 3rd, 1789. Quote, Congress shall not make any law establishing any religious denomination. The second version. So there's different congressmen saying, uh, I would like it this way. And then they talk about it and they didn't accept it. So let's go to the next one. Quote, Congress shall make no law establishing any particular denomination. So as they continue to debate this, they're like, well, something's not right. Let's continue. So this is the third version. Congress shall make no law establishing any particular denomination in preference to another. It, it, it sounds like they have a, a common theme with all four versions. Um but the final version they added or prohibiting the free exercise thereof. That is correct. It seems like they were, you know, all the same, same, uh, verses of Congress shall make no law. Right. (laughs) Um, (laughs) and then, and then they said, well, Hey, this is not right. Let's add this in here. And so the final version, you know, or prohibiting the free exercise of, have we seen that throughout all what was going on today? Right. Throughout all this presidential, throughout all COVID, um, yes, uh, I venture to say we have. So, and, and look, this is just another indication that the founding fathers did not intend for Congress to enforce free exercise of religion, and not only in, in private life, in public life. Mm-hmm. So, and- so how do we how do we find that? Right, we go to the um, uh, clauses. They they added two clauses to the First Amendment, and you can find all this in, in the Constitution. So it's called the Establishment Clause. It prohibits the federal government. The, do you see this theme here? We're preventing the federal government from doing something, we the people, uh, from establishing a single national denomination. So the second clause is called the Free Exercise Clause, and you could go look all these up. The federal government, uh, from interfering with the people's public religious expressions and acknowledgement. Did you hear what that said right there? Public. Right. It didn't say just private. <laughs> so it, it basically, uh, going back to what we've had going on lately, these, these interferences in religious practices because of the COVID and any other numerous things that they can think of is actually forbidden under the, the free exercise clause. That is correct, Aaron. Yes. Wow, it's crazy, and and we see them constantly trying to take those rights away. Now, I, you know, we understand that the founding fathers predominantly were Christians, but they had the the vision and the forethought to not try to establish one single denomination or one single religion in this country. They wanted free thinking and absolute freedom within this country. Absolutely. I, I totally agree with that. And you know what? Their their writings, their letters back and forth to each other, 
it, it it's exactly what you just said it, that is their intent um and it's easy to go back and read all their stuff it's amazing and and so um in the in our public life we should be able to to go out and express that um with without any interference from from the government and for a century and a half we did so from when they ratified the constitution you know ratify means to sign right they actually signed it on that um it doesn't always get adopted or put into practice it might come a little bit later but this is when they ratified it so up until 1939 there was no such thing as separation of church and state no wording no no anything until it started coming out in the courts Right. And it's, uh, in recent decades, a lot of activists, activist courts have dramatically redefined the word religion in the First Amendment. Uh, it makes it confusing. Yes. And, and they actually there was a congresswoman that put out this deal where she was taking religion and saying, we're changing that word in the Constitution. It's now church. Was it ever done? It was never done. But the media jumped on that and they started using that word and replacing religion with church. Yeah, and, and that, you can't do that. You have to have a convention of states to in order to change the constitution and the states weren't going to allow that to happen. Right. So you would, you know, we the people would have to decide we want that, not Congress, we want that. And and then we 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 redress uh our grievances to them and say, "Hey, this is what we want changed." Mm -hmm. So yeah, the result of that what you're talking about on the First Amendment is now used to prohibit the very religious activities that the founders themselves once encouraged. They encouraged this under the amendment. So I'll give you one one founding father. He was the um, he wrote the final wording of the House version of the First Amendment, what we just read, right? That final version of what's actually there today. So, quote, I'm going to quote Ames. The Bible is the principal source of sound morals in America and therefore must never be separated from the classroom. So I ask you, what is the classroom? Uh, anywhere we learn. Uh, public, our, right? <laughs> yeah, in the public. Uh, this doesn't sound like a person that believes religion should be separated from the state. I agree. I agree. So our audience can decide and, you know, they can look this up. So this is Fisher Ames, A-M-E-S. He was one of our founding fathers and he he talked about that. So the next guy I want to like to talk about is Dr. Benjamin Rush. And I'm going to show you this book. And this is an actual picture of him. Let's see if I can get this right on my screen. Um, <laughs> there you go. You centered up. <laughs> Dr. Benjamin Rush is a great book. Um, yeah. Dr. Benjamin Rush was actually, if, if, if we probably never heard about him, but um, he was well known in this country for a good 150 years. He was not only a founding father, but he was a mentor to George Washington, to James Madison, to John Adams, a mentor to them. This is how strong this guy was in, our, in, our, in America. Rush signed the Declaration, the Constitution. He served in the pres presidential administrations under John Adams, Thomas Jefferson, James Madison. He uh, not only that, he started um, five schools and universities, and three of those still exist today. Wow! I mean, wow. this is That's a man awesome. who's just educated. 
So he Rush um, offered numerous reasons why the Bible should never be taken out of schools. Um, a lot of our laws come from right out of the Bible, which um, out of Leviticus. Are we okay with time, Terry? Oh, yeah, we're doing good. Uh, I'll let you okay. know. Keep going. Okay, good. So, uh, and I, look, I'm going to quote Benjamin Rush. He says, in contemplating the political institution of the United States, if we remove the Bible from schools, I lament that we waste so much time and money in punishing crimes and take so little pains to prevent them. So is it reasonable to believe that the founding fathers would create an amendment whose alleged purpose was to prohibit what they so cherished and advocate? I, I don't see it. Everything that I see, Terry, is like they they love this. They love the fact that we have morals, that that's what made the bond and strong. How do we get our laws? How do we enforce laws if a man has no morals, nothing to base these things on? And and so, yeah, I we uh we need to be able to um, look at what they advocated, look at what so they cherished in this country, and what well, that's the original intent, right? That's what we want to go back to. Yep, and it, uh, with the free exercise clause, it it protects those pr principles and keeps them in the public square, so we can discuss them. That is exactly right, and 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 that in the free exercise clause, it says that specifically public. And so we can take that in the public. That's our schools. You know, this is this is out when we when we have a grievance and we go out, we want to protest against them peaceably. Yes, peaceably. Um, <laughs> peaceably. Not, not like I'm in law enforcement also. Right. We're looking law enforcement is peaceably. As soon as a crime is committed, it's not peaceably anymore. No, no. And, and, and my recommendation to those who uh, are involved in peaceful protests uh, when you see something like that happening, back off. Uh, let law enforcement do their job, and then you can go back to your peaceful protest, but don't be part of the criminal activity. That's correct. And look, I'm going to show you this book. Um, I'm not trying to promote things. I'm really not. I mean, what I'm trying to promote is the learning of the – the. Um, I didn't write this book. I'm trying to get people to learn the Constitution. So this is the original intent, it's called by David Barton, and he's on wallbuilders.com. This is an amazing book that really he just goes through the whole constitution and a lot of founding fathers' letters and documents and and uh, even their uh, congressional records and goes through it and explains to you some things about them of how they decided to put these things into place. Uh, it actually has the constitution in it also and the declaration. So this is an amazing book called the original intent. Cool. And to, to our viewers and listeners out there, I, I do apologize that um, there's some things we just can't get up on the screen because uh, we have certain <laughs> restrictions with our um, uh, media host. So um, we will have them for the, because Mark will be back with us to have some other stuff go on uh, and go into other issues with the constitution. But uh, we'll have, we'll be able to get those pictures and stuff up there, but yeah, go ahead, Mark with, uh, I guess we're, we're getting ready to look at, um, President George Washington's farewell address. Yeah. So, you know, when we keep going, we're looking at founding fathers. We're looking for evidence as to why these things happened the way they did. Um, one of the things in George, if you, you've never read George Washington's farewell address, one of the greatest speeches ever. Abraham Lincoln had a great speech and um, Patrick Henry, one of my favorite, all time favorites, Patrick Henry. 
know, give me liberty or give me death. That is the, the best speech. But one of the clearest affirmations for retaining religious principles in official arenas came from President George Washington in his famous speech. So I'm going to quote him. Of all the dispensations and habits which lead to political prosperity, religion and morality are indispensable supports. So he's calling these as some pillars, some posts. Right. I'm still quoting. In vain would that man claim the tribute of patriotism who should labor to subvert these great pillars of human happiness, these firmest props of the duties of men and citizens. Now, is he questioning people's patriotism? Because if you don't listen to it very closely, it sounds like it. Um, he, he is. And he's saying if you subvert these pillars, you, you take away these things, then you're taking away America. Um, and 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 look at look at what he said right there in the end is the duties of men and citizens. So he not only he's saying in your your men, men and women, right, in mm -hmm. your public life and your private life. But then you get into the citizens. He's talking to citizens. So he's covering both areas, you know, in your public life and your private life. So uh, Washington also warned Americans to reject the. Um, proposition that morality could be preserved apart from religion. And I'll quote him once again, let us with caution indulge the supposition that morality can be maintained without religion. Let us be asked, where is the security for property, for reputation, for life, in the sense of religious obligation desert the oaths which are the instruments of the investigation in our courts what did he mean with the desert uh desert the oaths uh, of course this is old school language so it is and and in in those days you know the founding fathers and, and we still do to some extent today um believe that the oath was was fact it was a promise and and it was sacred to them it, it absolutely was re regardless because they believed that when you made an oath you just didn't make it under the law you know when you place your hand on that bible they had that for a reason and the reason was when they placed their hand on that bible and they said i i i say that i'm telling you the truth and they're speaking to man but the founding fathers knew when you place your hand on that bible and you spoke it with your mouth that they believe you are accountable to the Lord. And if you, and if you didn't do it under, under the law, that the Lord was going to take care of his business. Yeah, true. Now, uh, Mark, I need to ask you, do you believe the founders embraced a uh, secular philosophy? Were they trying to restrict it to one, uh, one particular belief? I, I don't, I, I don't. There's too many documents and the founding fathers. Now, you know, Terry, in, in, you read their documents, such as Thomas Jefferson, he's quoted a lot. And Thomas Jefferson, Benjamin Franklin even, Benjamin Franklin, uh, when he was 19 years old, wrote this paper about how he's a deist. He's called a deist. A deist is somebody who believes in God, but doesn't believe God is in our, in our affairs every day. Right. So he actually, Benjamin Franklin said, I believe in the Lord. He's just not in our business every day. And so they, and then, 
you know, as we all grow older, we realize different things, regardless of if it's religion or, you know, the Constitution or anything in our life. We grow and we learn. And and you can't pick and choose what you want to, to know out of the founding fathers documents. Go to their original intent of what they what they decided about this. stuff. They did not want a secular society. They didn't believe that that worked, that everything goes. Everything in America goes. That doesn't work. Hmm. Okay. So, yeah, like I said, we've been talking about separation of church and state and everything that's involved in it. So if, if the phrase separation of church and state appears in no official founding document, then what is the source of that phrase and how did it become so closely associated with the First Amendment? Hmm. That's a good question. <laughs> so um, I'll go back to... Thomas Jefferson, right? This is this is where separation of church and state started um, getting out of hand, and it, this is in eighteen one. So it, it, let me take that back. Let me re retract that. It wasn't out of hand at this time. The church, Danbury Baptist Church, was actually writing a letter to Thomas Jefferson, and they said, "We're glad you're the president, but we have con some concerns about." you um, being the president and dealing with religion because they were nervous about his past, some of his past writings because Thomas Jefferson would go back and forth a lot of times in his beliefs. We probably all have at some point in our lives, right? Mm -hmm. And so the Danbury Baptist Church was concerned about that. So they write this letter to, to Thomas Jefferson and um, they, they said, uh, Thomas Jefferson expressing their concerns that protection of religion that has been written into the laws and the constitutions. Now, the, the two things that stick out for me is a, a personal letter and the constitutions. Uh, these are two separate types of documents and two different approaches. Yeah, so this letter has nothing to do with the law, has nothing to do with we the people trying to get um, Congress to do anything. This was written to the executive an executive branch. It was a personal letter to Thomas Jefferson. And as far as for constitutions, they're talking about their constitution in their state and the United States constitution, because every state has a constitution. I think mm -hmm. maybe except one, they don't. So yeah, they, um, so believing strongly the Baptist church, Danbury Baptist church, if anybody wants to look that up, it's in the, um, in the Library of Congress, there's two letters, Danbury Baptist Church and Thomas Jefferson's letter, return letter to them. So they they believe strongly that the freedom of religion was an, an inalienable right given by God. Inalienable means unable to take away from or given away by the possessor. So if I possess it, I can't give it away and it could only be given to me by God. Um, the association believed the fact that it appeared in civil documents suggests that the government viewed it as a government granted right. This was really important to them. And this is actually playing out today <laughs> yeah. that the government believes that they might have the right to deal with it because it's in there and twist it into something else that, to benefit them. Yeah. And we see that trying to, to play out, uh, um, and it sounds like Danbury Baptist Association was commuting, communicating their anxiety to Thomas Jefferson. They, they, they felt that it, uh, the government had too much power over that. 
That is correct. And he they were concerned with that. The, the fact that just the fact that they talked about religion in the Constitution was scaring them. And, and part of this, Terry, I believe if you read their letters, uh, read their letter and, and read some of the stuff about Danbury, that they were just really uneducated about the Constitution. And so part of that. So I, I think that part of the letter sums up their concerns. And I'm quoting from the letter. It is not to be wondered at, therefore, if those who seek after power and gain under the pretense of government or religion, they put both of them in there, should reproach their fellow men, should reproach their chief magistrate, the president, as an enemy of religion, law, and good order, because he will not assume the prerogative of Jehovah and make laws to govern the kingdom of Christ. And that was mean man's own religion. Right. Didn't, they didn't want them in that. And, and their religion happened to be Christianity. Right. They were they were Protestants, but they were not saying this is I'm speaking from we the people here. They're saying this. We don't want you to do this. Mm, mm, mm. Can make for uh, difficult times for the man. <laughs> yes. And so he responded, He which was which was wonderful. Now, um, he responded, you know, Three months later, <laughs> and you <laughs> thought our mail was slow. <laughs> That's right. <laughs> so he responds in, in January first, eighteen o two, and he said he understood their concerns. And he's saying, "As I understand your concerns, and believe with you that man accounted only to God and not to government for his faith and religious practice." I mean, that's just all he's saying. I believe with you. I don't have any issue here. And so uh, Jefferson emphasizes to Danbury that uh, none of man's natural rights, natural, inalienable, right? Their natural mm -hmm. rights, um, including the right to exercise one's faith publicly, would be in jeopardy. Cool. So I go ahead, Terry. Yep. Well, uh, we're getting kind of close to our timeline. Okay. Um. Uh, if it's all right with you, this looks like it's a good place to um, um, break off until our next segment, which I, I hope is real, real soon. Uh, we can come back and yes. finish up on this uh, uh, little uh, with this, this class. It's quite interesting. It's quite uh, informative. And it, uh, I do want to hear more of it. Uh, I, I think I'm going to try to get some time and take the classes myself. <laughs> <laughs> I encourage you. <laughs> Oh, I, I would love to. And, and like we said earlier in the, uh, in the show, folks, um, you can go to patriotacademy.org, uh, look at their website or to, uh, constitution live, uh, and get the classes and information. Like I said, Mark is a constitutional coach with Patriot Academy and he, he's going to be teaching these classes. He takes them. So he knows what's in the classes. Um, and Mark, getting last little bits on that. Uh, yeah, you know, um, I, I do this because I love this country and and I just uh, I love history. So these two things combined, I started um, recognizing some things going on in this country that uh, I think people need to know their rights. They need to know their law. When you hear the media, when you hear all these people talking, you'll know what they're talking about. We need to be more informed and be a better patriot. I need to be a better patriot. Exactly. And I got one uh, I'm going to put up here on the screen just so you can read it from uh, 
Marcus Taylor, uh, who, who's up here in Huntsville, he says, please bring him back soon. <laughs> and, uh, Marcus, we are going to uh, next weekend. Uh, I've got Bill Muckler from uh, uh, an author and uh, United States Marine Corps vet. And hopefully, Mark, the, the very following Saturday, I can get you on here and we'll keep going into this. And uh, I'll dedicate the, the first 30 minutes of the, the program to you again. And we'll just keep going on with this. That's great because we need to finish looking at the evidence of what Thomas Jefferson said to finalize this thing. All right. Sounds great. Well, look right real quick. I got a couple of, I got to, got to throw in a plug here. (laughs) As many of you know, uh, I'm a co-host on moving it right, which is another uh, internet TV show uh, that airs uh, weekdays from uh, 10 to 11 central time, 11 to 12 Eastern time. Um, you can watch them on our Facebook page and on YouTube yeah, and you can search them and uh, be sure to follow their group on Facebook. Uh, like I said, it's every weekday at uh, 11 a.m. Eastern Standard, 10 a.m. Central Standard Time. It's conservative commentary, excellent content, narratives, and we try to stick the facts the best we can. Um, growing rapidly and very interactive with our audience through comments and posts. You won't be disappointed. You'll find me on Tuesdays and Thursdays as a co-host with Rich Astrian on Moving It Right. Like I said, on Facebook and YouTube, join their group. Come on out there, and uh, just like we do on this show, uh, you can interact with us on a chat and stuff. And, um, uh, Mark, there'll be a day where uh, me and Rich have talked. We'll, we'll try to get you on there to, to Great. on the Constitution some for us. But, again, I encourage you. It's Moving It Right Mon- uh, Monday through Saturday. Uh, on Facebook and YouTube, 11 a.m. Eastern time and 10 a.m. 10 Central time. All right. Um, a little plug there. One of my little advertisements I have to do. Um, and as we're moving along, give me a minute here to get my paper. Mark gave me so much cotton-picking paperwork, I'm, I've managed <laughs> to lose myself in my office. <laughs> Trying to get you educated, brother, just like you're doing to me. Yeah, get, get you educated. I, I remember our days <laughs> at the farmer's office. We tried to educate each other, and we wound up rescuing cats out of culverts. <laughs> <laughs> First responders, right? Exactly, exactly. Uh, going into our next segment here, um, we know what's going on. We we know that the House has already voted on and put forward the a single article of impeachment on former President Donald Trump. Um, that single article is talking about incitement of insurrection. Uh, now, the, the biggest question I got here, and I'm, I'm going to toss it to Mark here in a minute, is did, did President Trump exceed his First Amendment authority? Uh, what do you think, Mark? Do you think he, he ex- ex- exceeded that uh, authority under the First Amendment? Well, I don't, I don't know all the evidence, obviously, I don't think we all do, but, you know, I think we need to learn the process, one or the thing, the process of it, if the, if the House votes on impeachment, then it goes to the Senate, right? And so this process that they do, if the Senate does their job and they do a thorough investigation, we, the people need to be involved with this. We need to contact our senators and say, tell them how we feel about this thing. The more people contact their senators, the better. But yeah, just be involved in the process. Don't sit back and and don't get on all these conspiracy stuff. Get involved with that. But I think the the evidence, some of the evidence um, that's presented, I don't know if it was enough for impeachment. 
they did their job, but that's where the investigation comes in in the Senate. So we need to let that process happen. Right. Yeah. And I have listened over and over and over again to the speech that President Trump gave that day on January 6th. Mm -hmm. And and just from my background in in, in investigating and law enforcement, things like that, I see nothing in there uh, that would incite somebody to to do the violence that occurred. Um, And and as evidence is starting to come out now, and like I said, I, I watch this on a daily basis and listen for what's going on. They're now finding that a lot of this stuff was happening while he was still giving the speech, even before he said the words to march to the Capitol peacefully and express yourself, make your voice heard. You know, long before he said that, these people were already up there. They're finding out it's pre-planned and things like that. I think what's going to happen, and again, you know, like I told you before the show, Mark, you know, a lot of this is based on our opinion and what we know and what we see. Right. Um, I don't think the Senate's going to go ahead through with this because there's not enough concrete evidence. This is mo- It seems to be more of circumstantial and opinion and political game playing uh, is what's coming about here. And there's so many other things that they have to prove. And as we've seen with the house, they haven't done really anything to investigate this. Um, one day she puts it before them. The next day is voted in a single, a single article of impeachment. So it, to me, it's a, it's a political circus game that's going on. Yeah, and it appears to be that because it happens so fast. These things should not happen this fast. This is a serious thing that they're talking about, and we need to allow this process to happen. Well, what is the process? What are they supposed to be doing? We need to hold them accountable to that. If the House is not you know, overstepping their, their bounds, then we need to contact them and let them know, hey, this is what the Constitution says. Are y'all following this or 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 not? We need to know this stuff and we need to um, hold them accountable. That's the only way um, they're going to take note of stuff. We Look, we don't just let these Congress um, congressmen, congresswomen go over there and just do whatever they want. If we're doing that, we're foolish people. Because we need to hold these people accountable. Exactly. Now, and I know it, historically, um, prior to President Trump's uh, first impeachment, there had only been three other presidents ever impeached. And that was Andrew Johnson, uh, Bill Clinton, and of course, Donald Trump, and Richard Nixon. So four presidents, and none of them were ever convicted uh, after their impeachment. Right. And now here we go. Donald Trump is the first one in United States history to be impeached a second time. Uh, I don't believe he'll be convicted. And I'm still wondering, and, and this is where I really need your opinion because you're more studied on the Constitution than I am. Um, do you think they have the constitutional authority to go ahead and try to convict him uh, in the Senate? Because he's no longer the president. And it does specifically state the president, not former president, not leaving president or anything just says the president so based on that do you think they have the constitutional authority to uh um, uh, to convict him well the the impeachment is one thing that's real they the the house impeaches him so that's done if they do that they impeach him you can't you can't really take that back but then they bring it to the senate and the senate does their investigation to see how real these things are and so once it you know the constitution says once they do that 
if they find something, I mean, what are they going to do? They're going to take him out of office where well, he's out of office already. Right. So, so now we go back to as well, was this a, a state crime? Was federal crimes involved here? You know, because they're just going to let the president go home. Basically, they're not going to do him anything. But was there state issues here? Um, were there other issues involved? Were there local issues in Washington, D.C. that may have been violated? Well, then they could come in and start trying to prosecute him. So, yeah, they do leave the Constitution leaves that up to once they say we remove the president from office. Well, he's removed from office now. So that's not going to happen. It's yeah. already past that. Right. So even if they do their investigation, what are they going to do? Present some evidence for maybe some other courts to come in and, and investigate that. Yeah. So so basically what I'm getting from this is constitutionally, they have no other authority other than to investigate. And that's it. They won't be able to do a Senate conviction uh, because there's no authority for it. But they can develop evidence to pass on to other law enforcement, which I don't think they'll go for it either. Uh, but again, that that's my opinion on that case there. Um, it just seems so odd, uh, just really odd uh, that they would try to do this. Uh, again, I think it's just uh, political gamesmanship. Um and that the uh, uh, TDS Trump derangement syndrome is so bad. Mm. Uh, yeah. They go for this. Now that I supported president Trump, I didn't agree with everything he had. There was times that when he said something, I would want just please, sir, shut up, <laughs> get off Twitter. Somebody take his phone away from you. Like a little kid, slap his hand, take it away from him. But what they're doing to him now is just, it's never been seen or known in history. And, and right. to me, it's just uncalled for. So, but I don't know. One of the reasons, Terry, that they I, I think that they did it because there's there's um, something in the Constitution saying if you're impeached twice, you can never run for office again. Right. Um, and that's one thing I've always tried. I've been trying to find it, have, been, have not seen it um, from what I was uh, hearing from some other folks, uh, some other legal legal beagles, that um, that would be what they did if they convicted him in the Senate with a trial is that that would be one of the sentences. So, um, again, that's something, if you could help me with that for the next show, we can research into that and see what's okay. going on. Because we don't have a, we're not going to have a Senate trial until February 8th. So we've got some time for us to research and see what we've got going on. And we can let all of our, our listeners and viewers know it, what's going on. And they can talk to their senators and their congressmen and all the representatives and stuff and say, hey, you know, either we don't want this, stop playing games, you know, quit wasting our money. Or, okay, maybe we've got something going on here. Yes, absolutely. Be involved. There's so many ways to be involved now with the Internet. Um, American Family Association has a, a deal and uh, they, they write we, we write letters to our congressmen when bills come up and when there's issues that we write to our president, to our governors and our representatives to let them know. Um, but we the people are supposed to be putting these people in, in check and if, if they're not hearing from us, what are they going to do? They're going to do what they think is best. But if they hear from, you know, 10,000 or 100,000 people, they're going to take note of that. They're going to say, well, this is a lot of people telling me what's going on. I need to research this. <laughs> yeah. So get involved. Yeah, exactly. And, and that's what I tell everybody, you know, educate yourself, get involved with the process. Don't let this thing just roll by you. Um, and then sit there and complain about it because it's not going to help you. 
you need to be part of that process. So everybody stand by. We're going to take us a little break in the next segment. We're going to get into a little bit of news from the VA and, uh, what they've got going on, the latest things for, uh, the veterans out there. Like I said, this is a view from a military mind. So I definitely want to take care of my brothers and sisters and the veterans out there and their families. And um, then me and Mark will have our closing thoughts on uh, today's show and uh, what all is going on. So if you just kind of hang tight with me, we'll get this ad out of the way and then we'll go from there. Hi, I'm Lindsay Sterling, and I know what it's like to struggle with mental health issues. If you have a friend that's going through a tough time, now's the perfect moment to reach out. Learn how to start the conversation at SeizeTheAwkward.org. Brought to you by the Ad Council, the American Foundation for Suicide Prevention, and the Jed Foundation. All right, thank you for... Listen, that's a little promo there for uh, mental health from Lindsay Sterling. If anybody, if any of you ever had the chance to see that young lady perform, she's an outstanding violinist and dancer, and she's a big proponent for uh, mental health and uh, getting that taken care of. See your, your care provider uh, for veterans out there. Go by the VA. Talk to them about your mental health. Don't let it slide by. Brothers and sisters, there are people out there to talk to you, even if you um, if you call me, um, for those who know me, I'm uh, uh, a twice or thrice deployed de- uh, veteran. I've uh, been around for a long time. There's people out there who you can talk to. Don't just let it roll and think there's no help. So get your help. All right. Uh, a little bit of VA news here. Uh, the VA has come up with the, the newest support uh for our, our men and women out there, uh, they have contracted with Fitbit to provide uh, 10,000 eligible veterans, caregivers, and VA staff a one-year free membership to Fitbit Premium. Um, th- this is one of those services um, to uh, help us out and get ourselves getting in, in a better shape here. Uh, the, it includes access to guided programs, hundreds of workouts, mindful content, or mindfulness content, a wellness report, and a health metrics dashboard. Uh, participants will also have access to Fitbit. Fitbit boy, I, I'll spit it out here one of these. I'm getting too old. My tongue gets tied around my eye teeth, and I can't see what I'm saying. <laughs> but um, they'll have access to Fitbit. Fitbit. I'll get it right here. Can you want to do that one for me there, Mark? It's a Fitbit. <laughs> Fitbit. There we go. Health coaching, uh, one-on-one coaching and guidance from a certified health coach or licensed health uh, professional. And of course, your your eligibility is going to be based on various factors, such as whether an individual is a veteran, already a Fitbit user, location, things of that nature. So get a hold of your primary care provider uh, at the VA and see if you can get into this Fitbit program. Uh, that just uh, came out came out on January 11th. Um, so look into it. Uh, if you're already a Fitbit user, uh, you should be able to get a little bit more and uh, move on with it. Get a little bit to, to uh, enhance your health and your wellness. Um, the VA has also published its final regulation to improve delivery of prosthetic and sensory aids devices. For those of you who don't know since what sensory aid devices are, that's your, your hearing aids and things of that nature that help you hear or see, you know, 
uh, from what I'm being told from the VA, it also includes their glasses. So um, they've changed that regulation or they've got the final uh, final regulation out there. So um, established for the first time a nationwide category of prosthetic and orthotic services, sensory aids and medical devices. Uh, the VA is authorized to provide to veterans as part of their active treatment ongoing rehabilitation. So again, get with your primary care provider or the local VA hospital or your clinic or whatever and see if you fit into these categories and see if you, you can gain some additional equipment uh, with the finalization of the regulation. Now, in general here, um, for everybody out there is in the United States Army, whether you're National Guard Reserves or active duty, uh, currently the Army is reviewing thousands of discharge records of veterans uh, affected by military sexual trauma, post-traumatic stress disorder, and other behavioral health conditions following a class action lawsuit. Um, the review is part of a settlement reached in a uh, lawsuit, the uh, Kennedy versus McCarthy, which is prelim uh, preliminary approved on December 28th last year. Okay, the, what they're going to do is they're going to look at discharges of veterans affected by PSD, PTSD and TBI, traumatic brain injury and uh, military sexual trauma or other behavioral health conditions. Uh, under the agreement, the Army will automatically reconsider certain discharge status, statuses upgrade decisions made by the Army Discharge Review Board uh, between April 17, 2011 and the effective date of the settlement. That will uh, it'll partially or fully denied relief to Iraq and Afghanistan era veterans with less than fully honorable discharges. So, basically, uh, all in a nutshell, is they're going to review these uh, for a change in status, uh, whether you got an honorable or dishonorable or whatever. They will, they will change those dishonorables up, and so you can get your health care, uh, things of that nature. So again, get with your VA. Get with your uh, veteran service officer and see if they're going to do something with this. Don't let, don't just wait for them to contact you. Uh, that usually turns into a, a, a cluster that we <laughs> don't want to get involved with. A lot of us have gone through that already with the VA. So go to them and hold their feet to their fire. You know, take your, your, your nutcracker up there and kind of hold them by the gonads and say, hey, uh, do I fall under any of these things that I mentioned to you all today? So... Well, Mark, we're getting into our, our closing. Uh, we get our closing thoughts and our closing state. Uh, clo closing. You can see I've had a rough day already. <laughs> um, it's been a wonderful show, Mark. I've, I've really enjoyed having you on here. Uh, everybody's been so happy. Uh, we've got a lot of folks that's writing in here. Uh, as you can see on the, uh, the chat box there to the side on your screen, a lot of people have gone in there. I've got Dave Glovin has come on. And uh, he says, if the Senate understands they have no legal action to take against former President Trump, they should just acquit him. If the Constitution doesn't leave a procedure for the uh, Democrat Speaker of the House to try and pin this on Republican President Trump, that it should be over. Okay, and he goes on to say, however, Washington, D.C. has grounds to seek criminal penalties against citizens Donald Trump. That should be up to them to try. And basically, that's what we said. It, it shouldn't be our our Congress doing this, it should be a, a civilian uh, authority doing this uh, uh, for citizen Trump. Uh, do you agree, disagree, other opinion on that? Yeah, no, I, I agree. You know, I don't know the full scope of everything, but uh, yeah, I agree with that. Uh, there's, you know, there's a couple of things that stuck out to me. I was reading the comments here. I love this one. I'm hoping I'm going to say his name right. Uh, Bill Tisnauer. Yes, Bill Tisnauer. 
Okay. He said, uh, very interesting. I never knew uh, all this. Uh, I love that. That <laughs> That is a powerful statement, Mr. Bill. And I thank you for coming on because that is why we're doing this is because this message of the Constitution needs to get out there. We need to know our rights, brother. And I, I appreciate you being on the on the show. Yeah. And, and it helps a lot when you have somebody that is trained in this. Uh, I'm not trained in constitutional authority. I, I, I read it. I don't always understand it, but it, uh, Mark, it's awesome to have you on here. You're trained in this, you understand what it is and you have access to the additional information to gather those answers we may need, which makes it great. Um, yeah, I may even have you as a co-host on my show more often, <laughs> which I do. And, and again, I restate, I still plan on having you on here, uh, Again, so we can complete up on uh, Thomas Jefferson and uh, what's going yes. on this lesson. So, but uh, hey, the last thing I want to get into, and Mark, I'll get your opinions on this. We know we've had the National Guard. We had twenty six thousand National Guardsmen in Washington D.C. And folks, I do apologize. We're we're running over our our time schedule, but I really wanted to get Mark in there as much as we can. But um, I'll make this segment short. Um, the twenty six thousand National Guardsmen there. Nothing came out of having them all there. Nothing came out of having them all there. The FBI had said there were going to be attacks on the capitals. Your states all brought in National Guardsmen to protect their capitals, things like that, and nothing came of it. What's going on here? Uh, and then while they've got them there, they put them in a garage. Uh, well, we don't want you in the Capitol building now. You got to move out here to the garage where it, it was 30 some degrees, 40 degrees, had one heater, one bathroom with one, you know, one urinal and two stalls for 5,000 men inside of a garage. Mm. This is crazy. There was no reason uh, that we can see at this time for them being there other than they were being used in pawns and props. Um, and there was no violence. Uh, my question is, was the intel valid? that the FBI had. We know we've already got questions about the validity of our FBI at this point in time, which there shouldn't be. They're one of our top law enforcement agencies. But they've had kind of a shadow over them. So uh, is everybody cooperating up there in this, in our little conglomeration we call our capital and our government? Uh, Mark, what do you think about all of it? I mean, you see this going on? Yeah, Terry, I haven't read a whole lot about that. I've been doing so many other things going on, and um, I, I'm not sure exactly what happened. I'm still doing some some research on that. It's kind of hard for me to comment on that particular thing. Uh, but, um, you know, they need to be doing the right thing, right? They they need to have good intel. And if they, if they had a reason for all of this, then um, they should be providing for our troops, right? They should be providing the things that they need and, and getting this right. So. Um, it's kind of hard for me to comment on that particular thing. Oh, I understand. I understand. And hopefully we can get some more input from you on it uh, as we go yes. on. And um, yeah, we'll just have to see what happens. Yes. Yes. <laughs> right now, uh, the troops are going home. Uh, Governor DeSantis out of Florida um, and uh, Governor Abbott out of Texas, they have recalled their troops. They're going home. Mm -hmm. uh, I think it was just recently uh, Vermont called their troops home. So the states are calling their troops home and said, okay, enough's enough. Um, we need them to come home. We need them back here. We got other things going on, and we're not going to leave them there for you to treat them like the, uh, the rubbish that you've been treating them on. And now they're saying they're still going to be 
uh, around uh, six to 7,000 troops left in there for further security. That's great. If you're that scared of your own shadow up there, um, as a former National Guardsman, I understand that. Uh, I'm going to do my duty. Uh, and it's like somebody said uh, earlier today, we're going to do what we need to do. We're not going to complain. I mean, it could be worse. We could be in the sands of Afghanistan or the dust powder of Iraq or the jungles of uh, Vietnam or wherever we have served at. But instead, we're in the United States in our capital. Should our troops be treated better? Yes, they should have been treated better. Um, but it is what it is. We're going to do our job. We're going to take, you know, we're going to take it on the chin. We're going to keep on moving. We're doing our duty. So Mark, do you have anything else for the, uh, the viewers out there? Yeah, I was just looking at this one other comment I saw, and I don't know the whole scope of it, but it says, um, basically says you can practice, but, um, won't be forced to practice. I'm just assuming they're talking about religion and yeah, that's what it, America is all about. You can um, you can not practice or practice your religion. You can um, have any. Uh, you can be a Catholic, a Muslim, a Christian, a Protestant. You can be. This is why America is so great. People, just take one look. Are people trying to get into this country or out of? They're all trying to get in here. That's right. That and they know. They know the difference. And so we need to we need to do our duty and and uh, and make America strong. Get involved. Exactly. We need to make them strong again. And we need to end our show there and call it good for the day. We've kind of gone over a little bit. But to everyone out there, have a wonderful day. Thank you for listening. We'll see you next Saturday when we have Bill Muckler on, View from Military Mind, author, United States Marine Corps vet. So join us next Saturday, January 30th, on View from Military Mind. Again, Thank you, Mark Dupuy, for joining us today, and he'll be back in the first week of February. This is your host, Terry Mills, from View from Military Mind. This has been a Valkyrie Productions video and podcast, copyright 2021. Everyone out there, thank you, and God bless America. <laughs>